0: Welcome to the Girl on Top, Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the last week. So today, we're going to be talking about how to tame a toxic boss, a few more thoughts on motherhood, what to do when losing your virginity wasn't exactly the most magic moment, and how to shed a persona that no longer serves you. And just a reminder that if you want to chat privately with me, find me on the Instant Go app. My username is ShallonXO and click chat to get connected. Also, be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. So this question comes from Sydney, and she's touching on a subject that you guys have been asking for for a long time. And don't worry, I'm 100% playing a video series on this. But the topic is toxic bosses and toxic environments and what to do about it, how to deal with it. Because by now, hopefully, we're getting better at spotting the fuckery in our personal lives and how to deal with fuckboys and all that. But you go to work, and it's a different ballgame, right? You know, you can't just block your boss. You can't just tell him to, like, screw off. Like, uh, you kind of got to deal with these people. So Sydney has like kind of a a unique situation, but also in terms of what's going on, sadly, it's not that unique at all. So she said she works as an assistant construction manager and in the nuclear sector, constructing nuclear power plants. I know, right? Like, Jesus. So obviously, it's a male-dominated industry. I work with a lot of entitled and wealthy businessmen and contractors. As the only woman in my team of 70 people and only being 21, the sexism is real The comments I get about my age, my body, make me really uncomfortable. They say things like, you look very Pornhub today. They call me Princess. They say, here comes the cleaning lady when I come into work. I don't wear revealing clothes at all, and I have a really thick skin, so I try not to let it bother me, but it does. They make sexual innuendos all the time, even though they're married. Uh, Spoiler alert, it's always the married ones, but anyway. I'm not a quiet girl either, but I don't want to make some snarky remark back and be the one that can't take a joke. I also don't want to bring it up to HR because I think they're going to view me as the problem employee, and that would change the dynamic of the team, which would adversely affect my career, you know, since I'm the instigator. I've worked in more than one company in the nuclear industry and have always been the minority as a female, but I always faced this kind of attitude. So how do I deal with these comments without it affecting my career? Should I just ignore it? I feel like if I take action, it will undoubtedly have consequences on my career, and I just feel completely stuck. So... Yeah, totally get this. On one hand, I get why she's hesitant to go to human resources, but this is what guys like that prey upon. You know, put this in the context of crime. A guy hits his wife, a guy date rapes a girl, his girlfriend. Oh, really? You're literally going to go to the cops. Okay. They don't even have to say that out loud. It's a tacit understanding. It's like, no, you're not. You're not really going to do anything. You know, they're betting on you being a coward. And I don't like when anyone assumes that I'm a coward, certainly to the point that they're going to engage in shitty behavior. They're so sure that I'm a weakling that they're just gonna go right ahead. They've already made that calculation in their mind. Well, they can go fuck themselves. They have no idea who they're dealing with. And these guys at Sydney's job, they don't know who they're dealing with either. And that's what she needs to realize. So society also teaches us to like, oh, you know, don't say anything. That's what we're told, you know, be polite, brush it off, don't make waves, be a nice girl. I spent years working with people like this, insulting chauvinistic nightmare men and women who need to be drug out in the street and shot. You know what? I'm not even like interested in retraining people anymore, just complete elimination. And I used to tell myself the same thing. If I speak up, it's going to hurt my career. But not speaking up has done infinitely more damage to me. Infinitely. For one, what we permit, we promote. This is never going to stop with these guys because there's no reason for it to. There's no consequences. They see you ignoring it and they view that as a green light, you know? And do not underestimate the toll this has taken on your self esteem. I was told the same kind of things at my jobs. And honestly, I had something like PTSD after, like it took me years to recover and get my self-esteem back as a professional as an, and as a woman. I used to work at the New York Daily News and the managing editor was named Orla Healy. Yeah, I'm calling her out. You want to come find me, Orla? Go ahead, do your worst. She called me retarded in a meeting one time. She called me a slut in another meeting. In a different one, she said I was aggressively stupid. What does that even mean? But like you hear that from someone in a position of power in an industry you want to be in. And while you know, I I know I'm not aggressively stupid. It's like you, you internalize it. That has a memory. Your mind keeps that memory. And the next time you're going to go for that risky presentation, the next time you're going to speak up in a meeting and say, no, actually, Kyle, that was my idea. You're going to hear aggressively stupid, 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 stupid. It's going to echo. And you're going to make those micro decisions and shrink where you should be standing up where you should be leaning in right and that lasted a really really long time and to the point that like when i was working at star magazine my boss i mean let's just say he's being investigated by the us attorney like when i say he's a bad person like he is bad on a global scale so certainly was a nightmare to work with and like i didn't stand up for myself as much as I should because of that experience at the New York Daily News. And sometimes like I would just kind of swing wildly. I was like, no, I'm not going to take this anymore. And I was like this little rabble rouser. But for the most part, like I was shrinking down. I had that scar. I had that PTSD where I was like, you know, afraid. I knew how bad things could get. And also it made me normalize it. It made me say, oh, well, this is just how it is. Hey, this is New York City, baby. This is showbiz. Like, this is how people behave. No, if that's true, it's like, well, this is how people are. That's because we have allowed it to happen. Fuck boys only exist because we allow them to, right? We have the power. We are the ones who determine if behavior is appropriate or not. Not these people. Like, I mean, of course, people are always going to wild out and be assholes, but it's, uh, it's up to us to say, no you're done here. Maybe not in the industry, maybe not in that job, but in my life with this behavior, you're fucking done. So yeah, I came from a place of like a lot of like emotional wounds from my jobs, you know? And like, I don't want to make waves. I don't want to go to HR. No, And then also this attitude of like, well, what's it even going to matter? You know, this nihilistic sort of thing, which I was telling myself because I was basically just kind of being a wuss and I didn't want to stand up for myself because it felt exactly like Sydney's feeling. Scary, fruitless, like it's going to do more harm than good. And I didn't want to rock the boat. You know what my attitude is now? Fuck your feelings. Fuck rocking the boat. Fuck the shift. Fuck the dynamic. The dynamic does need to shift. That's the whole problem. If I'm the problem employee, and that's truly how people want to treat me, then I need to see the writing on the wall and walk in the light of that truth, you know? And I need to make a change. I need to be like, you know what? Then this is not the company for me. Maybe this isn't the industry for me. Yes, I'm sure Sydney loves what she does. Yes, I loved what I did in journalism, but I loved myself more. I loved my integrity and my self-esteem and my love for myself, because I like myself. I think I'm smarter than. I'm a... I think I'm great. I'm a delight. And I'm like, I'm not staying in an industry where I'm treated otherwise. That's why I'm a YouTuber now full time. Like, yes, it's been a scary transition. And I'm fortunate that I was able to make it. Like, I feel like the luckiest girl in the world. But it really came down to like, it's not like, oh, I want to make more money. I want to be famous. Like, I want to be around people who value me, even if those people only are on the internet. And that's the only way we connect. Like, I'm not going to stay in an industry that's degrading and eroding my sense of self because you know what? It was. And it's eroding Sydney's too. And probably yours if you're listening to this, you know, I don't need to keep sweeping things under the rug to enable bad people to treat me worse because look, they are hurting your career and you have nothing to show for it. That's the worst part. Like if you think these people are going to put you up for a promotion, the cleaning lady, you're fucking wrong. This is the tip of the iceberg in terms of how they feel and how they're going to deal with you. So start clapping back at every single comment, every single one. Fight every fucking battle. Yes. Will it be scary? Of course. Will it be tiring? Yes. Will you feel like the bad guy, awkward? Would there be tension? Of course. But you feel that way now, right? You feel bad now. You just haven't connected to it. It hasn't come to a head and it needs to. Something needs to change. Like, say, you say in a sharp, loud voice, do not speak to me like that. And I've done that. Say it loud enough that other people can hear. You want that message to carry. You want to make an example of them. I believe very strongly in making examples of people because I am from Roman heritage and my ancestors crucified criminals along the Appian Way, the only road in or out of Rome, for a reason. It was a warning. And it said, don't fuck with Rome. Don't come to this city with your bullshit. You're going to be up on this, on this road nailed to a cross and you're not even going to have the coolness of Jesus to show for it. You're just going to be an asshole on a cross. And that's what I like to do. You know, like I'm going to make an example out of someone. Oh, you want to have a big voice? You want to be a big man? You're going to be a big target now. I got a big cross for you. So absolutely go to HR. Go to HR every single time. If you have to send them 20 emails a day because there were 20 comments, you're sending 20 emails a day. Fight every battle. HR exists for one reason, and it's not to help you. Don't ever, ever think that they have your back. The only reason HR exists is to prevent lawsuits, okay? You are a golden goose right now. You are like the sw- just in the best position in terms of a lawsuit, and they know that. So if you're documenting every single instance, they're going to know you mean business. Record conversation. Put your recorder out on the table and be like, oh, i just like to let you guys know that I'm going to be recording meetings from now on. So please feel free to pipe the fuck up and call me the cleaning lady because I would love to nail all of your asses to the wall. I am here to work. And if you're here to look at your dicks and insult a woman, you can leave. I don't care how old I am. I'm right. And if you don't like it, great. Like I said, pipe up. Speak into the microphone. I've got a great lawyer on speed dial. What? Y'all ready to get back to work? Good. You are not the one. And so if you are documenting every single instance, if you're fighting every battle, they're going to get tired of you and they're going to know you mean business and they're going to have to change their ways to keep you happy. Or they won't. And they'll be like, you know what? Here's $150,000 for you to leave this company. And girl, you take it. I know, like, I have a family friend, and she has filed several sexual harassment complaints against companies. And guess what? Homegirl doesn't have to work anymore. And I know what you're thinking, like, well, I'm not like a con man. You know, I don't want to do that. Well, she's not either. This is what she legitimately experienced. And she has such a good self-esteem. She's like, fuck you. I'm I'm not your cleaning lady. I'm not your little sex doll. Like, no one's going to treat me like this. And if you do, you're going to pay me for it. You want to treat me like a whore? Whores get paid. And like when I was younger, I like kind of, you know, I looked down on her for like being so litigious and now from where I am in my career and what I've seen, girl, slow clap, 100%. And I'm not saying you have to bait people into things, although, oh my god, get this. So at a magazine I worked for which shall go unnamed, <laughs> they hired this this chick, this Asian chick, um to work there. And it turns out the only reason she took the job is because she had heard that someone else in the company was like a notorious sexual harasser. And she's like, I'm sick of men like this. I want to come and do this job. And if he says one thing to me, I'm going to sue because now I know how to bait him into it. And she did. And she made like $100,000. And I'm like, wow, that's snaky, but amazing. Good for her. Good for her. Like, sorry, bro, you played the game and you lost. I don't feel bad playing the criminals. You know what I mean? So reframe this. You actually have the power here. It's just up to you whether or not you want to cowboy the fuck up and use it or whether you want to shrink and minimize and have the cleaning lady mindset for the rest of your career. This question comes from Jordan and she says, Shallon, I love you. I'm learning so much. But my question is, how do you stop putting out such a sweet and innocent vibe? Maybe it's my clothes. Is it how I look? Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's worse things to be called. But it's starting to get frustrating and I feel like it's affecting my dating life because this is the persona people have of me. I'm an independent 27-year-old woman. I'm not a little girl. You know what I mean? So this is my advice. First of all, we are truly living in a golden age of fuckboys, a golden age also of TV shows about storage unit, but mostly fuckboys. And so if this is the reaction you're getting from guys, realize that this is simply them self-identifying as a douchebag. Because fuckboys want a girl who's going to be easy to manipulate, a girl who's sweet and innocent translates to a girl who has standards and morals. That's how they interpret that. And that's not an easy target for them. They might think, oh, maybe she's a virgin. Maybe she only like seriously dates people. Maybe she's religious. And they're scanning you instantly and they're going, ain't eh, not a match. ain't eh, not an easy target. So they're going to try to, they're either going to move on and not engage with you at all, or if they do engage, they're going to belittle you for having those standards in hopes that you'll abandon them and therefore make the fuck boys work a lot easier. And you know what? Unfortunately, that does work. Men shame women and gaslight us in a variety of ways, and this is one of them. But like overall, I understand where you're coming from. I felt like this was my vibe for a really long time, and then I got a bee in my bonnet, and I just swung wildly to the other side. This happened in like, I think like college. I mean, I've sort of done this over and over. I started dressing really slutty, acting the same way, wearing a ton of makeup, and just kind of trying to erase that image that I had of myself. But that's the key word, the image I had of myself it wasn't necessarily the image other people had of me because literally what do I always say we wouldn't care so much what people think about us if we knew how seldom they did and when we twist ourselves into a pretzel trying to be what we think others want us to be in reality you know what all the world ever wants from someone is authenticity that's what makes a leader that's what makes an expert that's what makes a celebrity. If you think about it, you know, people who are like, this is me. Look at like Billie Eilish. Look how authentic she is. Look at Shawn Mendes. I'm sorry, I'm only giving you examples of teenagers, but this is where I am emotionally. Like they're authentic. Well, you know, (laughs) we don't know how authentic Shawn is. I just mean in terms of his like niceness, but you know what? He could be a monster. So forget that example, stick with Billie Eilish. (laughs) The world wants someone who isn't afraid to look everyone in the eye and say, you know what, bitch, this is me. So I care what I think about myself, not what other people think about me. I want to like the person that I am. And I do. Even when I'm a jerk sometimes, even if I'm dorky and innocent and whatever, even if I'm slutty and lusty and brassy, I am being true to who I am. We are an adult. We get to decide who we are. So if you can look yourself in the eye and say, you know what? I'm being very true to who I am, then that is a thing you need to lean into. And if you approach dating or anything else from an apologetic standpoint, you're sunk. But if you go into situations with confidence that you are who you are, like it or leave it, then that is magnetic. So this next question like hurts my heart. Whitney submitted this and she said, So, Shallon, I'm 22 and I know I'm a little bit of a late bloomer, but I just lost my virginity to this guy who basically is ghosting me. He came on, like, I didn't notice it as being super, super strong, but now in hindsight, I can see that it was. But he was just like hanging out all the time. Like, and I mean, for like a month, you know, this wasn't just a week of him courting me. This was like a month, the FaceTimes, the calls. I even met his parents. And now like we hooked up and he was rough too. It was painful and he didn't seem to care. And I literally have not heard from him since. And I just feel so ashamed of myself and so disgusted. And I hate that this is my experience. Ah, uh-huh. I want to scratch this boy's eyes out. I feel like if you guys want to start just like giving me the address of people like this, you can. J- just, I'm not going to turn it down. And air conditioners fall on people all the time. That's all I'm saying. I just see like so many red flags with this guy. And I think deep down, like her intuition did too. Oh, because I'm sorry, this is the part I forgot to mention. They had dated a while ago, you know, like a, like a little fits and starts, like not real full on dating, but they'd had like a beginning and then it petered out and then he comes back into her life with all of this affection. Okay. I'm sorry. So the reason she stopped seeing him in the beginning is she just felt like something was off. There was some intuition thing that was like, mm, either he was coming on too strong or she didn't like his personality, but there was something. And the worst thing in the world is when we don't listen to our intuition because then we're not just mad at the guy, we're mad at ourselves. And let me tell you, it's awful to be mad at yourself. You know, I'm sure you know, because we can't move on from it, you know, because we're like, great, great. He lied to me, yes, but I lied to myself more, didn't I? Ooh, I saw the writing on the wall and I was like, no thanks, and just turned a blind eye. And as hard as it is, I really force myself to stay out of past situations. Exes are exes for a reason. It's called a breakup because it's broken. And the broken aspect of this guy, i realized, is that he's doing what's known as love bombing. Guys do this when they want to sleep with you. And it's super fucked up and misleading because it seems like it's indicating just the opposite, right? I mean, oh my gosh, he's taking me out. I'm meeting his family. You know, let me just say, for some people, meeting the parents, like, means nothing. It means absolutely nothing to them. But they know it means something to girls. So they're like, sure, yeah, come over, meet my mom, blah, blah, blah. You think his mom hasn't seen 10,000 bitches before this? She has. She doesn't care either, you know? So anyway, so when a guy does this, when he comes on super, super strong – He does that because then if a girl turns around and says, wait a minute, we're not going to sleep together. We just met, like we met a week ago. He can say, no, but look how much we've shared. Look how much we've shared and talked. It's totally normal for us to hook up this quickly. You've even met my parents. Why would I do that if I wasn't serious about you? You see what I mean? It's messed up and it's gaslighting. But when a relationship is right, it's easy, but it's also evenly paced. Yes, of course there's an escalation and it's like, you know, things happen quickly, but it shouldn't feel jarring or frightening and send up those red flags for the other party. And if it does, that's because the person is rushing it along for a reason, and the reason is never good. Girls force things because they're desperate and they don't want to be alone, which is pretty off-putting and unattractive and repellent. And guys force it because they just want to have sex and leave. So I completely, completely, completely understand how she feels ashamed and discarded. But honestly, she should not. This is not her fault. Yes, I mean, we all have to do an autopsy of our painful situations and acknowledge our role and how we contributed to it. But this guy was a predator and he knew exactly what to say and exactly what to do to get what he wanted. And sometimes the sad, sick truth about men is that they just do this. You know, they're just kind of monstrous. So I really try to wait as long as humanly possible to sleep with people. Because even at my age, with a lot of sexual partners, no one likes to feel like someone is only in it for one reason. you know. And usually if you give a bad person enough rope, they'll hang themselves. So I even go so far as to tell guys that I don't have sex outside of a committed relationship. (laughs) Oh, I do. I mean, I'm a hoe and a half. Like, of course that's not true, but it's a bluff. And a fuck boy will reveal themselves with that bluff because they're not in it for the right reason. so they dip, you know And even like guys, it's not even that they buy it necessarily, but a quality guy will be like, you know what? Good for her. Like they will want to buy into it because they're a quality person too and they're looking for a quality girl. A fuck boy is gonna be like, they're gonna, which what I said in the other question, they're gonna belittle you for having that standard and try to make you feel stupid or make you feel like you're lying, which I mean, in my case, I am, but you actually might not. Like you, A lot of you guys I know don't hook up. So it's like they're going to be like, come on, no, you don't. I know you're not that kind of a prude. You're not that lame, blah, blah, blah. It's the shaming, right? Because they want you to abandon those standards. So her big question was, should I call him out, right? And of course, this is the question we all have. As tempting as it would be to call him out, I think it's just going to entrench her further into a dynamic with a person who honestly just does not deserve your time, you know? And I know it's painful to have your first time be such a bad experience, but so many girls have experienced the same thing. I mean, I have, you know, I'm stupid. But my theory is this. The first food you ever ate was like breast milk, right? But I doubt anyone says it's their favorite food. First doesn't mean best. It doesn't mean the most important. It doesn't set the tone for the rest of your life. All it is is a data point and a learning experience. So block this guy on everything. Block him. If you see him in real life, do what I do. Act polite but vague, like you're not quite sure who they are, but you're gonna be nice regardless. Almost how like a member of the royal family would greet a commoner, like, oh, how nice. Yes. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, you um, you take care now. Y- you, like, you just don't really know or care because people like him assume that every girl fixates and just loves him forever. He's a narcissist. He's a malignant narcissist and probably a psychopath. So if you see him and you act sort of like, oh, hi, like you kind of can't place how you know him, (laughs) it'll make him insane. Kim submitted this next question, and I think it's really good and something certainly that we all kind of can understand. So she said, hi, I went on a date last night and went really well, and he asked to hang out again tonight. We knew each other in high school, but I saw today that he checked his online dating profile. We FaceTimed almost every day for a week and then met up, and it just like feels like a letdown to see that, and logically, I know we're both single, so I shouldn't be mad, but can you just give me any advice on a mindset to have when dating someone who then also still checks their dating profile? Okay, so I get this, and it all comes back to don't look at things that are gonna make you unhappy. And that sounds very simple and maybe, maybe naive and silly because a lot of us need and want a lot of data points about a person, for sure, correct. But the best way to not feel this way is to insulate yourself from it by just not stalking them, right? And don't look to see if he's checking his profile. And also, you are on the site too, so you were checking yours. So he is going to see that you were checking yours. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just this like closed loop. So don't do things that are going to upset you. I say all the time, I don't even follow my boyfriend on Instagram because the guy I dated before him, I followed, and I would I would go down rabbit holes, spiraling, endless wormholes over whose picture he was liking, who was commenting, who the fuck is this girl? Why is she sending him this picture? And it's like, it just made me crazy. It just made me crazy. And like, if the relationship is meant to work out, it will. If it's not, it won't, you know? And I needed to judge him based on what I saw in real life, not these digital metrics, even though, yes, I know they're data points and they are crucial, but you're almost better off stalking someone on Instagram and looking at their behavior than checking to see if they're still, like, tindering. Because, honestly, this dude is doing exactly what he should be doing, and what I would encourage Kim to do as well, diversify. Girls constantly make the mistake of going all in on a guy after one good date, or even sometimes one good text exchange. Guys know that's a bad strategy, so they keep their options open until they are absolutely ready to settle on one girl right? I mean, we hear all the time. It's like he was dating these two chicks and then he dumped her and suddenly he's like super official with this other girl all over Instagram, blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's how they do it. They don't let go of that branch until they are absolutely sure they've got a grip on the one that they want, right? And not only does that save them heartache, it saves them time because they're multitasking and having a lot of irons in the fire at once, right? But most importantly, they're able to play it so much better with each girl because they're not completely focused on her. I for one cannot play it cool when I like a guy, no chance. So I force myself to be hard to get by being busy, AKA seeing other guys. That sort of dilutes the power that my main guy has. You know, there's more opinions, there's more data. So much of the time, the person we like isn't actually that great, but we're just hyper-focused on the possibilities and what he represents. But if you go out there and see a lot of different people at the same time, you feel like you have more power and more control, and therefore, you're able to evaluate this guy's traits more neutrally. So take a page from Boy's Playbook, get back on your profile, and keep your options open too. So this next question actually isn't a question at all. It's a thought that one of you guys shared with me that I wanted to share with everybody else because You know, I was doing that story time talking about how I'm really ambivalent about having kids and I feel like I've gotten a ton of really amazing feedback from you guys. And this is also feedback on that, but from kind of a different point of view and I think it's really interesting. So, she says, I would really appreciate if you gave my opinion some consideration. And from watching the video, what I gathered, and correct me if I'm wrong, is the main reason you feel like you don't want children is that that would mean sacrificing the pleasures of life for the future. This is not true. This is, and I'm fully aware of how crazy this will sound at first, what corporations want you to believe. Much to many people's denial, corporations and modern day liberalism slash feminism actually go hand in hand. The reason for this is after World War II, when corporations realized that women could work and were in fact, hello, competent, they began to vie for a specific feminism, workplace feminism. And the reason is they wanted to lower the cost of labor. And this is because the more labor you have in a business, the less cost that of that labor is, you know, like it dilutes the pool. So you're going to pay less if you have more employees, right? This is also why now many schools are pushing girls to go into STEM fields because the cost of labor is high because there's not as many programmers. So if you create more programmers, you devalue them. You can pay them less because they're so plentiful. You know what I mean? So companies also know that a worker is more capable in their 20s and 30s. And oh, guess when fertility is. So in order, in order to further project women into the workplace, they needed to start pushing the image of motherhood being unenjoyable through the media. You can see examples of this in, I mean, everything, TV, movies, books. Mothers were presented as frantic, panicked, unhappy, and bored, rather than what before had been presented as elegant and well-put-together women who were the epitome of femininity. Women began to believe that they could find true fulfillment in the workplace. And I want to say that that is not true. Many studies, I can send you links, have proven from a biological standpoint that the only thing to truly fulfill the vast majority of women is to have children. And you may be a part of the small minority. However, I would just take a deeper look and think about the actual reason you don't want to have kids. Is it you truly love and are completely fulfilled by a job slash your activities? Or is it you're afraid of the, quote, sacrifice that is motherhood? You say you would give up anything, you would You would be giving up things that you love. However, this would be in service of something that you would very likely love more and be more fulfilling. I hope you read this and consider it. I would love to know what you think. So there's so many parts of this that I agree with and other parts I'm like, hmm, maybe. I really think it's so interesting to break it down from the corporation standpoint, like what they get from monetizing female restlessness, you know, and true, I think the big shift of like the motherhood experience has occurred where, yeah, it's like, you see these women of the fifties, it was elegance and grace and they're just living the life. And now it's like, oh, they're frazzled. But the reason women are frazzled now as moms is because they're also working. And I think the reason women were presented as elegant back then is because that was simply a lie. I mean, back back in the day, women were home all day. They would send their kids out. They would start drinking at like noon. You know, they would have no personal power. Their husband came home. If he was drunk, if he hit them, like, what were they going to do? Leave with three kids and no education and no job or skills? No, of course not. So yeah, they had time to do their hair and wear those nice outfits. They had to keep that husband happy because he was not only her husband, he was her employer. So imagine getting fired by the person who represents everything in your life, you know? So I think there's truth to that, that like definitely the portrayal has shifted in the media, but I think there's legitimate reasons and deeper ones behind it. But I also, it really resonated when she said, you know, you will, yes, you would be sacrificing things, but perhaps in service of things you would actually enjoy more. You know, that's true. I mean, I hope it's true. It must be true. Otherwise people would stop having kids wouldn't they? I honestly don't know. But I think this is a really interesting point of view. And you know, she's like, are you truly fulfilled by your career? Um, yeah, I am. I have an awesome, awesome life. I'm recording this podcast right now in Portugal. I'm on the terrace of a beautiful apartment in Lisbon. When I finish this, I'm going to go out on a sailboat for the day with my friends. We're going to eat prosciutto stuffed figs and drink vino verde and then dance into a fado place later tonight. I live a dope life. I have a great career. I get to talk to you guys all the time. The only thing missing is a dog. I'm not going to lie about that. But maybe that dog is like, I want to take care of something. I want to love something. Maybe that is the baby beginnings of the maternity call, you know? So I didn't want to make this podcast like all about me, but I really wanted to share this because I know a lot of you guys really like were in line with what I was saying about my ambivalence for having children. And it's, it's just not something that's like welcome in society. You're either supposed to 100% know that you want them or you're like cool aunt who never wants them, you're a lesbian, blah, blah, blah. It's like to have this ambivalence, it's like, well, ah, God, like what more do you want from life? I want it all, baby. I want it all. That's all for this week, Shalloners. Thanks for tuning in. And like I said, if you have a love question of your own that you need some help on, find me on the Instant Go app and click chat to get connected right away. Also, find me on YouTube, Shallon Lester. Click like and subscribe for new videos every Friday and a bunch in between. And be sure to follow me on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter at ShallonXO. Stay savage.